welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Thoroughbreds. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian McCluskey. I'd like to be known as Swim Fan. And with a Thoroughbreds tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh, still interested. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Wand, for people who didn't understand that one, do you maybe have other taglines for Thoroughbreds? It's like American Psycho, but with knobs. Okay. Um, <laughs> these are more for the. These are for the poster more. These. these okay. Ones. A mare grazing tail. Uh, uh, talk about sowing wild oats. Oh, I get what you're doing. That was I was caught up on the first one. I see these are puns, Kelly Wand. I prefer to see them as uh, taglines. <laughs> All right. Run with them. I'm sorry. I got lost for a moment there. Carry on. Okay. A mare grazing tail. Right. I got that one now. Yeah. I thought maybe. Yeah. But if you reheard it, you'd like it. I was wrong. I never Talk said about, I didn't. Yeah. Go ahead. That's true. Well, you sounded st- stupefied by it, which wasn't the intended effect. <laughs> Talk about sowing wild oats. Is Anya Taylor Joy legal yet? Nay. Wow. Yeah, I, that's a bit of a stretch because I'm pretty sure she's over. Get it? Stretch? No. <laughs> all that right. First race parts called. <laughs> Kelly Wan, is that all of the taglines that you have for us? You only gave us what four today? That's enough. All right. Well, there's I more. Have... Yeah, go ahead. Finally, characters I can relate to, especially the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we have fun here. Well, uh, Dingus, before Kelly Wan inadvertently spoils something, why don't you tell the listeners what movie we saw? I take issue with inadvertently. Don't spoil anything, Dingus. uh, And tell us a little bit about the movie. All right, this week we saw Thoroughbreds, Mm -hmm. a 2018 American drama thriller movie about the technique. It was (laughs) written and directed by Corey Finley. It stars Anton Yelchin, Olivia Cook, Anya Taylor-Joy, Paul Sparks, Kaylee Vernoff, and Francie Swift. <laughs> Thoroughbreds is rated R. What? what? I can't imagine why. That's for, for bloody images. Oh, Christ. Can't <laughs> <laughs> see blood. It's just what the Hebrews thought. All right. Uh, for bloody images, language, sexual pro- sh- sexual references, some drug content, and disturbing behavior. <laughs> oh. Is that what movie they were watching? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that's now a rating, a movie title. Got mm-hmm. it. I noticed it wasn't rated R for some action. So nope. at least they didn't have that. Yeah, Kelly Wand. Did there, the, there are no thematic elements either. Right. Did the MPAA miss out on anything there, Kelly Wand? Uh, fun for teens, preteens, tweens, <laughs> and everyone, unless you're a stepfather. <laughs> <laughs> also, some improper use of a rowing machine. Uh, Thoroughbreds is at 75 on Metacritic. That's the average rating from various reviews. Rotten Tomatoes has 86% of the reviews positive. Its uh, box office take uh, doesn't count. It's an art house movie, so it didn't have a wide release. Uh, Cinema score, 
didn't get cinema scored, but if it had been cinema scored, it would have gotten a B plus, uh, just a B, a B straight up B. Um, yeah, nothing happens. It's just it's just people sitting around talking. People would be like, yeah, I could have gone to see a play at the community theater and gotten dinner with it. And so it's volume based, the cinema score. Uh, like, it, I'm too quiet. I didn't hear any shouting. Boo. Yeah, I'm guessing that it would not. Have, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Kelly, one. Well, uh, maybe I'm wrong. What, what was, movie would you compare it to that is a – well, you know what? Hold that thought. We'll get into that with our overs and unders maybe. <laughs> I would have said something dumb. Don't worry. <laughs> I well, I'm thinking movies, movies like this, like crime thrillers, uh, people have certain expectations, and I think uh, Thoroughbreds isn't really interested in catering to those people. Right. That's true. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But first, Kelly Wand. <laughs> That's the dumb I would, thing I was going to I would like you – <laughs> to give me a synopsis of the movie Thoroughbreds. Uh, that's it? <laughs> what do you mean that's it? Oh, I'm expecting – I expect this is going to be a lot of fun. What do, what do you mean that's it? <laughs> did I miss something? This I, Did I skip something again? You're supposed to say what you think it's going to be called. That's the fun part of the podcast. Oh, oh uh, I think it's going to be called uh, ambivalent. That's what I think it's going to be called. Oh, oh that was answer D. <laughs> okay, I think it's going to be spectral. Wait, uh, is Kelly a ghost? <laughs> Fuck, I'm ruining the opposites. All right, we have to just get into it. You guys are ruining all my jokes. You're the one who asked for it. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel like what were you expecting? Yeah. No, we can do this all day, Kelly. <laughs> Damn it. Hang on. Spark. Okay. Paul Sparks is the name of the actor, by the way. Paul Sparks. <laughs> Thoroughbropsis. The Ready Player One chick looks at a horse at night. She's all, in Ready Player One, my face was piebald. Oh. <laughs> what? It's not real. I'm making fun of makeup, Dingus. <laughs> How do you know We're, this is the makeup? <laughs> that, I thought of that, actually. It was even hotter. A weird guy. That would have been funny if in the in Ready Player One she comes up and at the end she's all. By the way, I just wear this for fun. She wipes it off like garbage. <laughs> all right. A weird guy in his suit walks up and goes, "In Transformers, my face was a warrant." <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Those weren't supposed to be stretched out by all that gibberish. <laughs> the horse whinnies. Some subtitles under its face are all, oh, cool, I'm a horse in a girl's coming-of-age movie. This ought to be fun. <laughs> Wait, that jar says hydro-whatic? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Some words are all chapter wumpsis. <laughs> Birthmark girl goes to Anya Taylor-Joy's mansion. Or as I call her, Heigl 2.0. Birthmark <laughs> looks at a picture on the wall. Of the oh my! <laughs> is that wrong? Is that not a? Now that you've said it, I can't unsee it. I always thought it, and um, it's a pleasure. They're both a pleasure. Let me start all over. Birthmark looks at a picture on the wall of a girl on a horse wearing a hat. The girl, <laughs> not the horse. The girl is the horse's hat. She's just slid down. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
through you like, eyes. You like dumb things. It's good. <laughs> That's my brand. Birthmark looks at herself in a mirror. She smiles as if to say, no birthmark in this, bitches. She sees a handwritten letter on a stairway banister, so she takes it. I would, too. Hey, I don't know the correspondence rules in other people's houses. <laughs> she, she, goes, she goes and does what I would do next. Goes into a room to steal a samurai sword. But while standing <laughs> sideways on the wall, trying to yank it out of its scabbard, Heigl shows up. Uh... It's time for your exposition lessons. <laughs> Birthmark's all, nice sword. Heigl's in. It's my stepdad's. I think he thought it was a Japanese ore. Later, over crumpets and scantrons. Heigl's all. The Russian or maybe German supervillain group that always hates James Bond is very... <laughs> <laughs> Very A. They're all spectral. Earthmark's all. Oh, he fights ghosts? I thought that was women's work. Heigl's all. Hmm. Let's try and find one with less text. Reading's dumb. <laughs> Birthmark's all. How much did my mom pay you to teach me nothing useful? Heigl's all. I don't know. Trying to wrap my head around mutual funds is hard. I mean, what? We're just hanging out. Well, you have a birthmark. Doing your birthmark. Always joking. Question number two. If the bob wire surrounding Tom's windmill is four manly handshakes higher than Kelly, how many circumferences? Oh, there goes the alarm. (laughs) I just spoke for two hours. Get out. Birthmark Saul. Uh, I read my mom's emails. I know you made 200 on this. You should have stayed pat. Could have made five. She walks out. Heigl's all 500. Fuck! That night, Birthmark. Oh, God. That night, Birthmark plays online poker against Lando and wins a. there was a joke there. Maybe it's here. <laughs> That's not it. Anyway, when she wins the mustache, beside me, Tom's all ew! <laughs> the next day, Eigel's all. Gary and Connor are hiding in the wall of a white house from a white man. <laughs> what naval rank is Dingus? I'm going riding. Later... <laughs> Hey, Mark, have fun. Wow, you hate him. Hey, how much you making on this today? Nothing. Although I'm making 2K this afternoon to hang out with Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants me to call him Black Phillip and say I was on Roswell. <laughs> Birthmark's all, wow, you hate him. Heigl's all, oh yeah, you know what? Have your mom buy you another friend to read test questions to you. Birthmark's all, see, ambivalent. Whenever the question's about dingus, the answer's always ambivalent. (laughs) Heigl's all, you smell weird. Did you shower? 
Earthmark salt. I'll give you something to smell. They hug awkwardly through to the hard-ons. I can't remember what they really said. <laughs> they decide studying's dumb and decide to watch a grandpa movie. They watch as Pavarotti in a black and white thing walks on screen into a courtroom and goes, <laughs> Heigl's all, wow, he must have been really sad. Also, that guy who fell down when he got shot in that Western earlier must have really died. Birthmarks all. Huh? <laughs> I called the technique. Heigl's all, whoa. I'd love people to think I was sadder. Teach me. Okay, the trick is to stop breathing. Where? <laughs> Where, here or here? Uh, those are boobs. Stop distracting Kelly. Okay, now here, tilt your head back. Now inhale deeply. Now flip your hair. Damn it, Kelly, stop writing me. <clears throat> are you girls done? It's me, the stepfather character. I'm going writing again on my rowing machine. I don't like your friend. Drive her home. I can't. I can't. Her mom's getting chemotherapy till midnight. That bed's all sulks off. If I had to look at Anya Taylor Joy all day riding horses, I'd be crabby too. Anya's all, that's my dumbass stepfather again. He eats steak for three weeks, then drinks juice for a week. Sometimes he stops eating and drinking to row. He calls it writing. Birthmark's all, let's steal his wine. They drink some wine. Birthmark's all, I think we should murder your stepdad. At least get him a quieter rowing machine. What? That's crazy talk. I'll finish your wine alone. <laughs> Heigl goes to visit her mom in a tanning bed. The mom's off. <laughs> the mom's all, ten more hours and I'll be blue all over. Heigl goes to a party where some jocks are all, shut up, Yelchin. Hey, man, I only sold drugs to your sister because she looked eight. <laughs> <laughs> he accidentally punches himself in the face and wanders off to some cars <laughs> there he's all hey Heigl who's your favorite Star Trek character <laughs> the stage direction is nerdish rar. Okay. Yeah. She's all, I'll call the police. They'll know who my favorite Star Trek character is. But that night, <laughs> that night, the stepdad's rowing machine is so loud it makes Heigl half awake. The next day in the swimming pool, okay, you're getting there, but that's actually called drowning what you're doing. You don't want the water in your lungs. You want it to come out of your eyes and run down your face. Like in streaks. So the whole face isn't wet. Then we can actually tell what your progress was. Because if you're... Never mind. Heigl's all. Well, at least I can open my eye if a rowing machine's irritating me at night. 
Speaking of, I'd like to change my vote to yes, murdering robe stepfather boy. <laughs> Birthmarks all. Hmm. Let's discuss it later in a few scenes and just pillow fight for now. <laughs> later, Heigl's mom's all. <clears throat> um, due to my dad's death, I'd like to change all my SAT answers to ambivalent. <laughs> um, honey, you didn't actually take your SATs yet. Heichel grabs away the letter and goes, look, I don't need your line edits. I just need you to forge my signature at the bottom. I can't do hyphens. <laughs> this college turns me down. Maybe I'll join a convent and change my name to Nunya Taylor Joy. <clears throat> Her mom's all. Uh, the stepdad character and I were talking, and we think you might like it at Girls With Issues Academy. <laughs> Heigl's all, Mom! <laughs> From another room, the stepdad's all, We already made a down payment. <laughs> this isn't a discussion. What I'm doing right now, it's more like an interruption. Heigl's all, Oh, Jesus, fuck it. If it's not McAvoy's basement of the 1620s, oh. The next day, the mom pets the stepfather and goes, Don't worry, baby, you can barely see the nose bandage at all next to the scowl. Someone broke my rowing machine! But who? Are you going to make me repeat myself? Are you going to make me repeat myself? Are you going to make me repeat my? Are you going to make me... Are you going to... Are you Are you going to make me repeat Fuck you. He finally leaves it disgusted at her. The next day, a birthmark plays giant lawn chess by herself. <laughs> Is that for clowns? <laughs> I go, Saul. Hey, I saw pictures of that horse whose head you put in that producer's bed to get Frank Sinatra the movie part. Birthmark's all, if that stupid hydrochloric acid did what it was supposed to, I wouldn't have had to drop that fucking horse from the helicopter under that bed of spikes in the first place. I really thought hydrochloric acid would cure equine foot injuries. Oh, well, live and learn. Fuck! Night stalemate in a row! <laughs> Heigl's all, and we don't even have any black chess pieces. You're really bad at chess. <laughs> The next day, Heigl and Birthmark go to visit Yelchin, who's quit acting and then selling drugs to focus on his dishwashing. <laughs> like Shia. Birthmark's all, hey, want to kill my stepfather? I mean, her stepfather. <laughs> oh, God. I know you sell drugs, which is similar. Uh, I'll promise to pay you $100,000. <laughs> He's all, uh, no. <laughs> she takes out a tape recorder, hits rewind, then play. The recorder's all, uh, no. <laughs> she hits stop and goes, I just put that online. And it'll go to the cop's Facebook site, too. Unless you kill somebody, which isn't as bad as being known for saying that online. So bring a gun to someone's mansion later. We'll meet you there. They all hang out in the mansion for a bit so Yelchin can show them his gun. 
But then they get bored, so they hit Yelchin with a lamp and make him live in their bathtub. <laughs> Yelchin's all, but what'll I tell my dad? Ow! Earthmark's all, just wear a hat, stupid Yelchin. And by the way, we're keeping your gun, so if you want to murder any stepfathers, you'll have to win it off us. That long chest. <laughs> She throws a bottle of Pepto-Bismol into the tub. Here, that'll make your water pink. Hashtag me too. Yelchin's all. I feel like Lando negotiating with Vader. Lando looks over at me and goes, I pronounce that actress's first name as... Wait. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't happen. I'm kidding. What really happened was... Uh, Billy D. Williams, Lando, looks over at me. No, not him. The other Lando. He looks over and goes, I pronounce that actor's first name as Antan. I also say Darth Vader. Vader Ginsburg. But I pronounce Ginsburg. Ginsburg. Correctly. Heigl celebrates Lando's Ebonics by getting a pedicure from her stepdad. <laughs> and she hallucinates that it's a Mexican girl. <laughs> That was weird, huh? It was crazy. Seemed kind of extraneous getting two actors for that one job. (laughs) Just do it before you shoot the scene. That night, the stepfather thinks he hears farting down in the curtain room. So he investigates with a fire poker. But it turns out he's alone in the scene. So he goes to bed. (laughs) The next day, birthmarks all, damn it! We tried to blackmail Yelchin, but he tricked us by losing interest <clears throat> and becoming a valet. Heigl's all, yes. <laughs> the next day, Heigl gets bored and decides to stare at her mom in a bank. <laughs> While her mom stands there staring at the confused, impatient bank teller in slow motion, the stepdad comes in, giggling, <laughs> Heigl-ish best gesture, <laughs> then creeps up behind Heigl's mom. Covers her eyes and goes, guess who? The stepdad wins. <laughs> she doesn't guess it's him. Heigl scowls, unimpressed. You call that a disguise? Hands? Now I can't stop talking like Lando. Heigl decides to take up smoking cigarettes in her kitchen. <laughs> while Birthmark hangs out in the living room holding a knife. The stepdad comes in, takes Heigl's cigarette, and washes it in the sink so it's nice and clean. <laughs> He's considerate. He's all, if my asshole stepdad had caught me smoking in his kitchen, he'd have made me wear his belt for a week with the buckle. What are you going to take up next, witchcraft? Ugh. She's all, hey, I like belts. Also, if you really love my mom, you date someone else. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, I'm not washing your cigarettes after you graduate college. Also, you're a princess. He storms off giggling. (laughs) Birthmark comes in with the knife and goes, oh, that was awesome. We sure showed him. I goes, oh, you're an even worse murderer than Yelchin. (laughs) Hey, during my dad's funeral... Were you off screen holding a knife during that also? 
birthmark saw. Yup, in the coffin. Fives. She raises her knife hand for a high five. The stepdad wants to play lawn chess by himself. The birthmark's hogging the pawns as usual. So he settles for playing tennis with himself. He loses. <laughs> I go watches from a window, unimpressed by the machine. The stepdad runs out of tennis ball, so he plays a couple one-player rounds of guess who. <laughs> he loses. The girls decide murder's too hard, so they decide to make a Cosby cocktail and watch another grandpa movie. I think it's Cruel Intentions. Birthmark's all, boy, everybody in this is dead right now. Upstairs, the dad's on his rowing machine. Birthmark's all, someone should tell your stepfather about this new invention called boats, huh? Heigl's all, this movie's boring. Birthmark nods in agreement and drinks the Cosby drink. Heigl's all, birthmark, no! I meant the movie we were watching! On TV, no, again. (laughs) Although I guess, as long as you're here, she takes a knife and goes upstairs. Although it's off screen, I guess the stepdad sees her coming and tries to row away, but doesn't know how knives work. (laughs) Heigl comes back downstairs in a bloody shirt with a bloody knife. She tries to wipe it off by using birthmark as a towel. Then tries to get more comfortable <laughs> by curling Birthmark's hand around the knife, lying under Birthmark, pretending to cry, calling the police. Some words are all chapter tupsis, epilogsis. Because I forgot. Hi, Golzal. You call that parking a Maserati? Oh, it's you, Anton Yelchin. Hey! Hi! Hey, Anya. Uh, Thanks again for letting me bleed in your bathtub that one time. Uh, Did Paul Dano read for this? (laughs) She's all, speaking of, I believe this is yours. She gives him a lawn chess piece. He's all, hey, you ever hear from that birthmark chick who stabbed your dad? I really think she and I had a nice connection. Heigl's all, yeah, I got a letter from her. Birthmark's B.O.'s all. Sup, Pike? So did I pass my class that you were tutoring me in? Cosby said next time we should try mixing the roofies with Jell-O pudding pops. Also, I've been catching up on my finger painting. Also, if you think fake crying is cool, you should hear what sound I make when a nurse puts a tongue depressor in my mouth. <laughs> uh, come on, Diggus. Please like that joke. <laughs> Speaking of, I had a dream that horses take over the world. And then Wahlberg saw an Abe Lincoln statue with a horse's head. Love birthmark. To Yelchin Heigl's all. Yeah, I threw a letter away. So ignore all that B.O. we just heard. Would it help? Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might be with you on that. Heigl's all. Well, I'm late for my lunch with a college interviewer. Guess Kelly couldn't think of a joke for this. Bye! <laughs> She levitates off screen. (laughs) I look over at the fat girl from Heather's wearing a big fun t-shirt sitting beside me and go, I'd even have sex with Anya Taylor-Joy if she was poor, because I'm nice. The end. (laughs) Well done, Kelly Wand. I didn't know what you were going to do with this. That was 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 really good. That was really great. Yeah. 
Um, All right. I'm going to go first because uh, I couldn't think of a good under, so I, I really whiffed on the under. I'm hoping maybe you guys what? will have a better one. Uh, well, just what I wanted to do is bracket it fairly closely. Uh, uh, I liked this, but I wasn't super crazy about it, um, mainly because uh, I'm not – one of the issues with a movie like this where normal people in a domestic situation resort to terrible crime is that you've got to motivate the, the crime. Um and I'm not entirely yeah. sure that I felt this movie did that. Uh, there was some, a lot of really clever dialogue here. I liked the guy's uh, filmmaking instincts, but I'm not super crazy about the overall script. Uh, I'm not entirely sure it comes together very well for me. Uh, so my over is a movie I've mentioned to you guys before. There's a, a British – he mainly does horror movies – a director named Christopher Smith. And his last movie is called Detour. And Detour is about uh, Ty Sheridan, the other guy, the other lead from uh, Ready Player One, um, being put out with his stepfather. And he's out drinking one night, frustrated, and he meets a compelling criminal psychopath type guy, played by someone we've seen called Emery Cohen. He was uh, Saoirse Ronan's boyfriend in Brooklyn. Uh, nice. And uh, Ty Sheridan basically says, okay, look, I'd, I'd really like to – kill my, my stepdad. He's an asshole. He explains his reasons, uh, but he's drunk. And Emery Cohen's like, okay, well, we'll do it. And Ty Sheridan's like, yeah, we'll do it. And there's a montage of them getting really drunk. And the next morning, Ty Sheridan wakes up, and Emery Cohen's at his, at his door saying, okay, let's do this. And Ty Sheridan explains, no, look, I, I was drunk. I didn't, I didn't mean what I, what I was talking about. I want no part of this. And Emery Cohen gets angry and, uh, and berates him. And the movie does a weird thing at this point, and it split. It goes into a split screen. And this is to set up the fact that we're about to watch a movie that explores this is what would happen if he did take up Emery Cohen on this offer to kill his stepdad. And this is what would happen if he didn't. And they play simultaneously. Uh hmm. And it's a really interesting conceit that as I was watching it, I was like, okay, well, you know, why, why are you doing this? The guy did a movie called Triangle, which has a similar uh. like, ooh, wacky time split thing. And so I didn't know if he was doing something like that. But suffice to say, what I really like about Detour, in addition to Ty Sheridan and Emery Cohen, I think they're really fascinating together. Uh, there's a young woman named Belle Powley who's in it as well. Uh, great British actor playing the heavy. Um, but uh, – what, what I really like about Detour that I wish Thoroughbreds had done is Detour does an amazing job of eventually explaining this conceit and why it's doing it. Uh, Christopher Smith – and that, that's kind of the whole point of the script is to realize that this isn't that, – that, to realize there's a reason for Christopher Smith exploring the story this way. Uh, I feel that Detour has a really good payoff, uh, whereas I kind of felt that was lacking uh, in Thoroughbreds. So for my under, for whiffing, because I, I really did like Thoroughbreds, uh, I just went with Morgan as far as movies with Anna Taylor-Joy that, that I really like. Uh, Morgan is, is a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, it's just a cavalcade of actors I really like. It's a decent <laughs> script uh, from Ridley Scott's son. I love the Kate Mara performance in it. Uh, so I just whiffed, and for an under, I went with uh, Morgan. So. i got to watch that. Um, it might not. Yeah, it is for you. You like Kate Mara. You I like see. her. Well, not well her, but it's it's a, like it's, Anya Taylor Joy's work. Well, you should see Morgan then, definitely. Well, who's the dude in that that, uh, that I liked so much? The, oh, the, guy the, the love interest, the cook guy. I don't remember. Yeah, the this, cook uh, guy. I really like that guy. Everybody in that, yeah, yeah. 
I, he's I not just, he's not a huge part, but I really liked him. Right. And you had said he was going to be in something else, like a television show or something, but I can't remember what now. Damn it. All right. Anyway. Uh, well, Dingus, why don't you go next? Uh, what's an over and under, and what did you think of Thoroughbreds? All right. So um, I, I kind of feel the same way you did about this. Uh, I don't know if uh, maybe you would say it's uh, ambivalent. <laughs> Um, uh, it's, uh, I really like a lot of the, uh, a lot of the aesthetics of this director. I I really liked the music. It was evocative of, of John, uh, Brian, is it Brian? Um, the, the, uh, punch drunk love soundtrack and a couple other soundtracks. Um, I, I quite liked, uh, the look of the movie. I liked some of the things that he was doing. So I think. I think he he needs to learn not to follow everybody up and downstairs so much. Um, but there are things I really liked about it. I just I kind of feel like it's a, it's an acting exercise or something you would see in an acting class um, rather than a full blown movie. It feels like something that they would do in rehearsals to try to flesh out some ideas. Uh, and it was a little frustrating for me in that in that vein. And I think maybe it's supposed to be. Um, so my under would probably be knock, knock. Uh, although I really liked knock, knock, but it's another sort of disaffected, uh, girls doing terrible things, uh, <laughs> type of movie. Um, and I, I liked this more, and this is sort of unfair to the movie. I like this more until I saw, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to pull a Tom here. Uh, I'm going to choose a television series. Um, I like this more until I saw the end of the effing world, uh, Uh. which I think grasps what this move, what this movie is going for, but has a much deeper sense of how the characters arc is supposed to go um and which i really really love uh i love the actors in it um the actors in thoroughbreds are fine but they just it really does feel like an acting exercise it feels like all right we want you to to try to act without any affect whatsoever and go and then you're going to try different things at certain times um so I think the the end of the effing world, or it's actually called the end of the F asterisk 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 King World, uh, is just a fantastic television series. And I can't thank you enough, Tom, for recommending it. Um, I think that one kind of knocks this down a few notches for me, I'm afraid. Uh, I, I like some of the things that it's doing, but I just don't think it has any – a decent heart to it, but I think maybe that's the point because of the the stated the stated theme of the movie. I mean, the movie states its theme a couple of times. Um, so anyway, yeah, now it's Kelly's turn. Uh, um, I think I like this more than you guys. I really like the dialogue a lot. I don't think you're wrong though, um, and I'm wondering if Anya's stepdad not being more dickish, like their mutual loathing being a little more underscored was a purposeful decision. But I also don't think it was because I feel like I was bummed Anya's character wasn't more idiosyncratic 
and like referring to actual rich life with more specifics. Like I like those little brush strokes in characters like that. Like, all right, summer in the Hamptons. Um, and I liked her arc. Like I like it as an as an acting exercise. I think I'm just easier, maybe. Uh, so for my over unders, I just went with uh, precocious psychopathic girl movies. Um, <laughs> one of my Uda, favorite genres. <laughs> it's one of my favorite genres too, and that may be why I can be tricked into liking this because I like movies about girls contemplating murder. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I always find I think I just like that as subject matter because it seems to me really relatable. Because I'm always, it seems like I spent a lot of my days going, oh, if I could just kill that person, get away with it. <laughs> I thought we all did that just for fun. No, it's just me. It's cool. Um, so for my under, uh, I guess uh, it's kind of like Heather's, but the first movie I thought of was this Rose McGowan movie where she's like a devil girl kind of, and she has to live with her grandma. And uh, her, she, I think she burns her parents up before the movie starts in a fire. And so she lives with the grandma and this dog that she doesn't like. So she kills the dog by putting it in a trunk with bug spray. And then I forget how she kills the grandma, but I think it, she just like whacks her on the head. And then there's like a jock who tries to rape her. And that's called Devil in the Flesh. That's my under, my over, uh, I don't know. I, I was having trouble finding an over that would fit, that I liked more than Thoroughbreds. Um, maybe Swimming Pool, that French movie. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Charlotte Rampling, that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, that's a good call. What's the young woman's name in that? Uh, Lily Sobieski. No, <laughs> no, not even Dingus. No. that's the Leighton Meester 1.0. I thought Kelly was going to choose like, Heavenly Creatures. He really did. I don't think it's oh, anywhere. Yeah. No, it's not. I, I don't think it's anywhere near. Uh, yeah, like Heavenly Creatures, which I watched again today. I don't think it's anywhere near. Oh, you did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so Dingus, I want to talk about something that you brought up with uh, the difference between uh, the end of the uh, the effing world and this. Um, I, I think what's going on here, and I love Dingus that you that you said you kind of thought of it as an acting class because it looked to me as I was watching it, uh, this is what it would be like if you got two people who are too young for the parts doing uh, a presentation of a little production of Zoo Story. Right. <laughs> um, and, and it has that same, I think, character arc where one character's psychosis enables another one, and that's kind of the twist right. and reveal. And I think the whole point of the movie, Kelly Wan, you talk about uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's character arc. I think the whole point of the movie is the reveal about how ultimately she is the one who uh, has no feeling, no sense for empathy, uh, that, that she it's almost like a femme fatale movie in a way yeah. mm-hmm. that all along she's the worst one uh, and I think it's important to know I don't like she didn't read her letter right like uh, we're supposed right. to so yeah she didn't You're even correct. read the letter that uh, uh, is uh, Lillian Amanda, Amanda? That name? yeah that Amanda Lillian Amanda yeah yeah and and that's a that's a that's quite the note to leave the movie on and it says a lot about her uh, so so where or she I think, just said that to him. No, I know. No, I, I, I think she no, didn't. I know, I know. I, I think know. that's why we have the the voiceover in here. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's one of those things that's an important difference between uh, ambiguous and subtle. Like, I think it's very clear that we're supposed to think that Anya Taylor-Joy has read the letter and knows this is what, what's in it. But because we're seeing a third-person omniscient movie, we as the audience get to hear what Amanda wrote. And then when Anya Taylor-Joy confesses that she didn't even read it, that's where we realize the, the depths of her lack of empathy. 
um, right. that she's made. But she's never – she doesn't start sympathetic either because she does talk to her mom about, well, how much are you going to pay me to hang out with her? Like she's always – she's never good. She just gets worse. With, because we don't here. see that though. We see her as this goody two-shoes at the beginning. I mean mm-hmm. she's – trying to yeah. Trying to look correct but not necessarily behave correctly. I don't know. Well, I, I mean I, I, I think that her character arc is also like she's supposed to be someone in the beginning who really has a lot of social grace and conscientiousness right. and is really concerned with social interaction and not hurting people's feelings. And in the end, we discover, no, she's a cold-blooded murderer who's willing to use her friend as a tool. Uh, uh, so I don't know about Goody Two-Shoes, but at least she feels bad knowing that Amanda knows that her mother paid her. Uh, right. And then well, over the yeah. course of the movie – that gets chipped away, you know, starting with that moment where she drops her pretenses and says, you know, you smell funny. You freak me out. Uh, yeah. um, so I think it's well, kind of a yeah. – go, go ahead, Dingus. Well, I'm just going to say that it's, it, the reason I say goody two-shoes is because another parent who has a troubled child is reaching out to her to say, will you help my child? Will you be my – will you – can I pay you to For be a money. friend? Right. To my child, um, because you're the you're one of the good ones. Uh, you you've got a perfect record, right. and you were her friend, and at a younger age, and I know I can rely on you. I mean, I understand that impulse, uh, sort of uh, at a distance. Uh, so that's why I say goody two shoes because I think she she portrays that part of herself even though she's not honest. She sells herself exactly. Well. Very good. Well put, Kelly. Well put. Well, but what, what I wanted to get to, though, with the difference between uh, Heavenly Creatures and Into the Effing World and why this isn't anywhere near the level of those movies uh, for, for me, uh, those are movies about people connecting. And this is a movie that is absolutely not about people connecting. Right. The two actresses have a great chemistry, and the movie, movie sort of tricks us into believing that they're connecting and in certain ways they're connecting. But Heavenly Creatures, and I didn't remember this, Heavenly Creatures does such an amazing job setting up this horrible deed. And, and it's super horrific when it finally happens, where the little yeah. girls kill one of their mothers. Uh, but it does such a good job setting it up by establishing their relationship and establishing the 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 richness of the fantasy world that they create with each other. Uh, mm. and, and also, you know, it's very much about the irrationality of being that age. And these girls are old enough in, in thoroughbreds, they're old enough to know better the girls in Heavenly Creatures, I don't think, are because part of the movie is about irrationality at that uh, age where everything that happens to you is the most important thing in the world. Like right. that's – they're at that age. And I love too how Peter Jackson ties opera into it because that's what opera is all about too is that my feelings are so histrionic and important that it takes a symphony and a professional singer and a stage production and a brilliant composer to render them. Uh, so, so Heavenly Creatures – earns that horrible deed that yeah. these sympathetic girls do and they're both like that one of them's man the performance melanie linsky in uh heavenly creatures too god she's so good in that yeah. um so and and same with uh into the effing world which is written specifically to get us into both of the characters heads specifically to help us understand both of them despite their social awkwardness or maybe their ability to sort of feel like they're using each other or to not reciprocate affection. Um, 
And I don't think this movie wants to do that. This movie no. wants to be a kind of a noir story with a twist about how one of the characters is really the morally reprehensible one. And it's yes, not the one right. we thought it was at the first. Yeah. Noir. And I don't, I, you know, I'm glad you brought up opera because uh, even though it's not opera, I don't think the Ave Maria thing – I don't think the movie earns it. <laughs> I mean that's such, a, that's such an easy way to show a character. Yeah, yeah it's, it's showing that Anton Yelchin is just wowed and completely humbled yeah, by all of the – into a rich cathedral. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And but he it, does – But it's a little too much I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do like though how – I mean it's kind of of a piece with what uh, – I think the composer's name, I wrote it down, and I love that you brought up John Bryan, Dingus. Uh, Eric Friedlander. Eric so the Friedlander, guy that, yeah. that he got to do the score is a fellow named Eric Friedlander. And what's so good about his score is that he uses this uh, music and noise. It doesn't even have to be melodic music yeah. to yeah. get into the character's states of mind. So if you look at it that way, I'm kind of okay with that cheap Ave Maria bit because that's what's going on okay. in Anton Yelchin's mind. But otherwise, it's it's just tinkling wood chimes or a steady drum beat or plinking strings, uh, or uh, like even when when Anna Taylor Joy is looking at the the horse pictures, the little noise of the chat kind of folds into the the soundtrack that Eric Friedlander's doing. Um, What's great about the the soundtrack for me is that because I, I often listen to movies using headphones because my kid might be sleeping or whatever. Um, I thought there, I thought I, every now and then I thought that, Oh, there's a noise going on over there. Yeah. <laughs> and and I would take my headphones on. I'm like, Oh no, it's the soundtrack. <laughs> it's the rowing machine. No, it's just like, like there, because of exactly what Tom said, there might be just like a, a clang or a ding, 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 ding over here or over there just to kind of throw us off. And I think it sets up the mental, uh, the mental state of the characters. And I, I really do like the score quite a bit, but uh, mainly because I love Punch Drunk Love. So, so we've talked about Anya Taylor-Joy. Let's talk about Olivia Cook and what she's doing and how that worked for us. What did you guys think of her? Loved it. Mm-hmm. Tell why Kelly Wand. Um, well, I like movies. Well, you know how I hate redemption, and um, I like it when, like Arrested Development, the new, there's like new seasons of it, and a lot of people don't like it. One reason they don't like it is the the Jason Bateman characters kind of become more like the rest of the family instead of like him saving them, which I think is kind of a cool arc, actually, comedy wise. <laughs> Um, and everything else is terrible. But uh, in this, I like the because she Olivia Cook's just reading it in its neutral deadpan uh, lobster kind of tone. Um, and she's just relentless at the beginning. And so I, I don't know. I just like that dynamic of her of of someone pretending that, no, this is we're having a polite conversation. This is all perfectly normal what you're saying. Uh, I'm not even that bothered by what you're saying. Okay, I'm bothered. Oh, I just blah, blah, blah. okay, you don't shower. Like, I love that kind of breakdown early on. Um, and I was worried. The other thing, too, maybe this is what tricked me, is I thought this was going to be a coming-of-age movie. I didn't know anything about it. I thought <laughs> when I, was, I was watching Edge of Seventeen. So as it progressed and I realized, oh, it's cold. It's a cold movie about cold people, cold things happening. I sort of became more and more enamored of the Olivia Cook character. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I didn't see that that's where it was going. So I, I was... Maybe I was just dumb on purpose or something, or the title fooled me because it made me think of that Molly Ringwald movie, Wild Horses. I go, oh, it's going like to move in. She's going to go on a ranch. She's going to get deflowered. Uh, so the so when it just comes roaring out of the gate with Olivia Cook's character just being deadened, um, 
and not making them not even making her that sympathetic either not making her fate seem tragic like you're like mm-hmm. yeah they both suck they're both terrible mm-hmm. um like i like it when actors are able to uh like a john Cazala kind of thing where they're like i don't i don't want you to like this character i don't care if you do i just want it to be <laughs> a real thing and so they weren't trying to like get you on their side because they didn't care I would kind of disagree with that a little bit, Kelly Wan, because one of my issues with Olivia Cook's character as written and not as she played it, because I, I really enjoyed watching Olivia Cook, uh, especially her comedic timing with this. Like, I, I think this movie yeah. is ultimately a comedy, and I, I'm on board with that. Yes. Uh, and I think Olivia Cook is definitely tuned into that, that idea that it's a comedy. Um, but, but I think the script makes a little bit of – uh, you know, there's this conceit of the magical Negro in movies where a black guy comes up and he has some mystical insight into the character's motivations uh, yeah. and he fixes someone. Uh, there's a little bit of – she's like the magical psycho in a way in this, <laughs> in that she's super competent and she has a lot of insight into Anya Taylor-Joy hating her stepdad. And even though she supposedly has no ability for empathy, you know, she kills this horse because it's suffering. Um, right. They, they – She's Mary pretty, Sue. She, she's calling people out. Uh, you know, she's the one who pulls Anton Yelchin exactly where he needs to be. Uh, she drives that. She's sort of the mastermind. Um, that goes nowhere. That's a red hair. There is a little Gilmore Girls kind of a feel to that. Like I know everything you're thinking, and I'm just yeah, yeah, accepting. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and not to say, I mean, it, to think of it as, as a as a comedy, I'm I'm on board with that. But I I do think part of what was going on here, Kelly Wand, is we're kind of supposed to root for her. As the as the movie's going on, the movie makes really her look could. like a yeah yeah like a super good guy. She's the one we like. She's the one we sympathize with. She's the one who's really smart and competent and together and insightful. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I didn't. Rel- I didn't want her to succeed. Like, I didn't. I liked her lines, um, mm-hmm. but I I wouldn't want to be her friend. <laughs> That's rude, Kelly. Want what if I paid what? you a hundred dollars? Look at that birthmark. <laughs> uh, all right, it's just a request. Kelly, I, I, Tom's I, been trying to set up this play date for a month. I did I like how out. they they tried to make her look disheveled by not brushing her right. hair. Right. Yeah. yeah she's another door. She has to get down, tr- drab down again. Like, oh, she yeah. I mean, she's such she's such a gorgeous girl, <laughs> though. But it's like, I yeah, know, if we don't if we don't brush her hair, she'll look like a mental patient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I I do yeah. love and. We we have one listener who wrote in this week. Uh, it's Chris Markinson, and Chris uh, thinks Cooks he, for 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 what he says is that. I mean, I think he liked he liked this movie a lot. More yeah, he than, loved it. Yeah, than yeah. we did. Um, I loved it, and and yeah, he, but he really liked it. I mean, and he, I has, he has some really. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he has some really trenchant and interesting things to ask and say about it that I'd like to talk about. But he he says he he's he says Cook Cook I think stands out. Um, and then he goes on to talk about what a loss uh, Anton Yelchin is. We can talk about that in a minute. But um, but he really does think uh, Cook stands out, and I think her performance is quite good, um, especially that moment. And this is one of the things I like aesthetically about the movie, even even though I think that the director um, overuses the let's follow you around camera stuff uh, up and down staircases. Um, that moment at the bar where they're talking about the murder for the first time and um, Lily tells Amber, I, I think you should go now. And when she says, are you sure? 
there's just this there's this thing that goes on. I don't know what it is. She's got this little little spark in her. Like, are you sure that? I don't know what she's doing, but she's. I, I really think it's a. It's quite a clever performance. As much as I said that, I think that that this is like an acting class for like experience. I don't know that I believe in these characters. I think that's what Tom's not liking about it. Like they don't well, seem human enough to be real. Well, I think that's part of it. It feels like somebody reaching for Malik nice. or, or or reaching for um, Eyes Wide Shut or something. It's a genre like that. movie. Um, human. But, but when they step away from each other and the camera moves back, there's this great there's, there's this great thing that happens elastically with the with the shot, and her saying "Are you sure?" really sets that off. And I think she's I think she's really good in this, but it's it's a it's a tough thing to pull off. So to you know, as a long way to answer your question, Tom, I I, I really quite liked her. Yeah, she's someone to watch, and that, this movie certainly convinced me of that even more it's a yeah. great role yeah yeah and i don't think i would have changed anything um i'm not an actor but uh you know she does what I, she's expected to it's do. a tough role i i think i don't know if i would change anything other than making maybe this a short uh, i mean i liked it so it's, anyway. it's she anya taylor joy is playing this uh, the olivia cook character in split like she's the chick who doesn't fit in that everyone's oh. she's the weird one um uh, how did you guys feel about it being very much like a stage play, being so concentrated and focused, and just a lot of two, a lot of scenes with two characters talking, and maybe a third comes in? Uh, the the director's a, a playwright; that's his background. Um, uh, did, how did how did you feel about the way that he did a movie? It was weird for me because I I saw it twice, uh, and in between watching it twice. Uh, I watched this movie, Marjorie Prime, that I talked about last week, which is based on a play. And it has some of the same – it has some similar pacing that this does where people are sitting around and, you know, pretty much going, uh, what, what is that? All right. Okay. Can you give me that? All right. I mean, it has the, that similar pacing where they're sitting there watching a television show and, and then they're going to sit across from each other and teach each other to cry. Um, I, I don't mind that so much. Um, I just don't, I don't know. The, the movie just didn't move me. If, if that makes any sense. It's not, I don't, here's the thing. Like most, the thing that I liked about these characters in the right, in, in a way, it's like a perfect Bechtel success because they never talk <laughs> about guys at all. They don't talk about sex ever. They talk about like there's nothing in there to hook you like, oh, look, but they're girls still like it's just they're completely remote. Even at Taylor Joy's character, like you can't picture her falling in love ever. Um, and so that and you, coldness and that formality is extends to the sets too. Like it's just like a cold house, cold people. Uh, Corey Finley has said uh, he's been very open about being influenced by Harold Pinter, and I think you can see oh, that yeah. a lot here. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, in fact, I was going to bring that up earlier because it, this very much reminds me of of watching Pinter or the first time I had to do a Pinter scene in an acting yeah. class, and, and uh, it was in it was the first time I'd ever experienced Pinter. And the the guy leading the class, who was this New York actor who was uh, an artist in residence at my college at the time, um, had to teach us: this is how you do Pinter. Try this. 
And then he handed another scene without really telling us what it was. He handed us another scene. And we just assumed, the two of us who were doing the scene, that we needed to do it the same way with those same kinds of moments. Are you going to do it? No, I'm not going to do it. You know, that kind of stuff. But it turned out that what he'd handed us was Mammoth. And Mammoth is absolutely the opposite of that. And he's he kind of made fools of us, but he was also saying, you know, you kind of have to look at what the text is is giving you and understand how the writer is writing. But I very much agree with you, Tom. I mean, I, well, not agree with you. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because it this does evoke Pinter very much. What did you guys think of uh, the way the murder was shot? I liked it because it's the first time you don't follow her up the stairs and you just stay on code. Right. So I thought that was a cool like well, what did you think about it tom I mean, what do you think about the fact that, that none of the violence really is shown other than emotional violence um i didn't I, I you know i liked it as a choice i mean i think it was it was partly his his stage background because you can't do a murder like that on stage generally uh and i like that <laughs> it kind of has you wondering you know why are we lingering on this character it's obviously you have to not go by audio too yeah. It's obviously not just for logistics because this is a movie. We could have followed her up there. Uh, so I, I liked it. And plus, I, my feeling is always that, uh, of course, your imagination is going to be better than anything right. a filmmaker can show you. So I like when she comes down and she's got the gloves on and, and she's bloodied. Uh, and we have to use our imagination to fill in the blanks for what happened. And I wish more movies would do that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's, a long, it's a long thing too. Like you think in a, yeah. in a Hollywood movie, she would have come right back down, but she's up there for like two minutes. Well, it's a long take, and Olivia Cook is just kind of snoring a little bit, and the yeah. camera slowly <laughs> pushes in on her, and uh, you know the TV is playing in the background. By the way, uh, people yeah. using old movies simply because they're public domain drives me batty. These girls <laughs> would be watching—I don't know what they'd be watching, but I doubt it would be whatever old grandpa movie that was. So, but my point is, I liked the idea that most of the sound there was that the, whatever was on the TV and inane. Uh, I just wish it hadn't been so obviously a, a movie chosen because it was public domain. Um, <laughs> I like when they shoot a movie for that, like in Home Alone. Right, right. <laughs> when they choose like a obscure Italian zombie movie, like in Juno. Or yeah. when they when they make up a fake thing like that Hey Teach thing from uh, what's that comedy with uh, Jason Schwartzman and uh, Seth Rogen uh, and Adam Sandler where oh shoot Seth Rogen is Adam Sandler's uh, assistant what's that thing called Come on you guys Adam Sandler has a Jeez. blood disease what is that called Leslie Mann is 50, in it 50? no Fun, funny, people, funny, funny people funny people funny people yeah yeah. So they shot that fake TV show, Hey Teach. Like I like when they do fake things like that. Oh, yeah. uh, but um, yeah, old movies. I yeah, I don't know. Um, well, we don't even know what movie it is, do we? Uh, one of them is like, a Shirley Temple movie. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> That's a little too on the nose for me. Here's what I, I wondered. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I want, why why is he putting as if he doesn't want us to realize it's a play like structure? Why is he putting chapter headers? In I don't understand it. that. Yeah. Especially yeah. since he doesn't carry it through to the end when Kelly Wan rightly called the epilogue the epilogue. Yeah. He just <laughs> ignores that. I mean, you can't just drop that convention if you're going to set it's up the pretty convention. arbitrary. 
it's arbitrary, and I, I, I told you guys Untitled. about a, a movie uh, with the, the talking dog and the girl with the cybernetic hand called Black Hollow Cage. Uh, and Black Hollow Cage has similar title cards for, for chapters, but each chapter has a name, which is a great right. provocative way to introduce, oh, why is it called that? And then as you're watching the scene, you realize why it's called that, and there's a, a little bit of a callback moment. Uh, but he just is like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. Uh, I didn't understand that. That seemed weird. It might, be, re- yeah. it might be just a distancing, a distancing uh, construct, you know. They're because, not literary characters, though. Like they're not readers. Those characters. No, but oh, to distance us from. Lives. I mean, they're because they are distant from their emotions. They're they lack Characters. effect. You know, they lack they lack those things. Maybe he's just trying to distance us from it by you know showing us that uh, the this these are acts of a play. <laughs> I mean, I don't. But know. even that, I, would, I didn't yeah. care for it. <laughs> yeah, because it's book. I mean, chapters are novels. Period. Like, there's nothing else has chapters. So if it's a, if we're watching a novel and it's not that long a movie, um, I really actually liked. Um, I I do like that choice not to show the violence in it. You know, it, it it's consistent through the movie. You don't show what happens to the horse. You don't show the pictures of the horse. You just show the reactions to the pictures of the right. horse. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's important that th- that the the movie carries that through to the end. Uh, and then there is that shocking moment, as you say, Tom, where she comes down with those yellow gloves smeared in blood, and uh, that's it's. <laughs> It's shocking at that point because you haven't seen that kind of violence. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and also the stepfather doesn't seem like someone who's in fear of his life or would be <laughs> that easy to well, kill. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't do it when he's so, asleep. He's like – she – I don't know. Like a knife is a very conscious murder weapon. Like so uh, Alexandra asked me um, – because we watched this movie together. She, she had already seen it with another friend of hers. Um she asked me, do you think that Mark gets what's coming to him? Does he deserve what happens? Yeah, that's a that's a good question because I think the movie just takes pains to villainize him and make him just right. seem like a snide asshole. That, that's one of the things, too, that yeah. I really like about uh, Detour, the movie that I think is an over, is how it handles this idea of how much the son hates the stepdad and how it's – it doesn't have to resort to just cheap villainization uh, and how it kind of tricks you with certain things. But, but this is just – they just made him as smarmy and, and, and uh, asshole-ish as they could, it seemed. Well, I, I, I kind of disagree with that a little bit. I, I think huh? that there, a couple of points, he, he makes reasonable points. That, that scene in the kitchen with her when he puts out the cigarette where he's telling her, like, we're all help for you. We're just – We're all valets and then she we're goes We're all valets and valet, maids for you. Yelchin. Right, and at he's the end, not that wrong. Is, he's foreshadowing. I mean, he's he he may be kind of a dick at times, but he's not wrong in right. what he says to her. Right, um, and he's providing for them. Um, I mean, he's a dick to the to the mother in that scene where he, after he's been injured, uh, but you don't you don't see what's happened right before. Uh, if there's been another argument, you don't see anything of of those of that sort of. Uh, scope as far as what's going on. You see this guy who's this kind of domineering presence. I don't know that he's smarmy. The mom who's supposed to be passive, like it's really unclear. Like there's no, 
we have to assume that she wouldn't just fall for someone similar right after that. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys are, are crazy because the whole point of a scene where uh, <laughs> he, he summons her into the study to say, don't yell. Uh, oh, yeah. The whole, the whole yeah. are, are you going to make me repeat myself? You don't show a character in that light if you don't want the audience to hate the character. Like if, if we wanted to think that he actually cared for – uh, Olivia Cook, or I'm sorry, for Anya Taylor Joy, he wouldn't have done that maneuver from the back of the hallway where he's like, "We already did the down payment; it's not a discussion." I mean, he's like hovering to just show up and be an asshole. No, I'm um, not saying I'm not saying we're supposed to care about him. I'm saying Dingus is right when he says the valet line, like the asshole is saying something. Oh well, well I mean, I, that's all. I, th- I think I think everybody in this movie, except for Anton Yelchin, is an asshole. Right. Uh, like, very good. Very well yeah. put. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. Th- that's, this movie has a lot of disdain, and that's the whole horses taking over the world thing for this class of people, I, I, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, scum, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, though, here's my deal. I love that Paul Sparks guy. Uh, he's in oh. a, a, a series um, that Amy Simons did that you guys should both see if you haven't uh, called The Girlfriend Experience. Um, and he's really good in The Girlfriend Experience playing that kind of character but with some depth. Uh, he can also be like a totally uh, nice, friendly guy. He's in a, a great – well, at any rate, he's, he's, got a, he's worked a lot, and I just love the guy's look. I love how he can either be an asshole or super competent or uh, just super slick. He can even be like a redneck dad in a Clark Gregg movie called Trust Me. Um, so I, I just really liked watching him in this uh, and I it just made me wonder. That I thought he was Daniel Craig when he first showed up. He does. Really? They do kind of. They, he does look at like Daniel Craig at times. Thing is very Spectral. much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I thought he was very well cast, and everybody was actually. Yeah. Like everyone yeah. in the movie is very well. Cast. Well, so let's talk about Anton Yelchin. How do we feel about you know he's just he's a pathetic hapless clown in this movie. Sure, but he is an alpha dog too. He does that well. It's like in Green Room is different. He has he has some range, but like Chekhov's a buffoon, isn't he? <laughs> so Chris Markinson says, "What a loss for all of us to have lost to Yelchin to be able to uh, be Chekhov and also be the character in this movie." The dude had some range. When I saw Ready Player One and realized it was Olivia Cook, I kind of got excited. Okay, so he's talking about Olivia Cook now, but uh, but he talks about what a loss Anton Yelchin is, and I I couldn't get. I couldn't get that out of my head when I was watching this because I'm I'm so bummed that he's gone and it's for such a stupid reason uh, because I think he's great in this. I think he's great. Yeah. He lets himself look like ragged and weird and yeah. vulnerable, um, but he's a yeah. little chaotic. Too. Way out of his depth. Way out of his depth with these other characters. Yeah, but the line the line yeah. about his dad. You know, what is he going to tell his dad? And she's like, "Yeah, because I, I live with." I mean, that's just so heart wrenching. And when they look at each other, the two, when the two girls look at each other, like, yeah, "Okay," he's like when the Italian cop in uh, Hannibal. Like he thinks he's figuring things out, but he's the buffoon. I don't get that well, reference, he, Kelly Wand. Oh, you remember Hannibal the movie? I think he's bluffing uh, most of the time. He's yeah. a he's a hustler. He I mean, and that's who he is. <laughs> yeah, he's not uh, even. A, he's a failure from beginning to end. He has terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I love that scene outside her car back. window where she puts the the car window up, and he still keeps talking, yeah, and he's yeah. like, ta- yeah, and yeah, then yeah. finally he just like puts his hand. There's this really wonderful little moment where he just puts his hand on the window as he walks away. Just like, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the most sympathetic character. Right. He's and I think he's kind of the, the perspective of the audience in a way. Yeah. Like, yeah. here's how this, these women look like to real people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he even he kind of he kind of tries to draw. He tr- he tries to suss out who's who in the room. And right. he talks about her creepy friend and he says, like, the two of us have lives to live. You don't. You're crazy. And it turns out they're both crazy, but he doesn't he doesn't understand this world. He doesn't understand this world. Because, you know, the Ave Maria thing is like, oh my God, I've been I've been led into the palace of the gods. This is another world for me. Um and he he does that perfectly. Man, I, I just – I'm so fucking pissed that that guy's gone. And the movie really comes alive, especially in a movie like this that so much of it is just two people talking to each other. When you throw in a third character who's yeah. so markedly different from the other two, yeah. and they're triangulating against each other, like that's where I think Corey Finley just really shows his chops as a good writer, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is, is doing great dialogue. Uh, that's just where Thoroughbreds really came alive for me is where it's Anton Yelchin with the two women uh, and they're they're all sussing each other out. Uh, that was and his character my favorite just part. goes fuck these chicks. I'm yeah. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I did love the red herring too. Like that was so yeah, great yeah. that that Paul Sparks goes downstairs and you think okay this is where we're gonna see mm-hmm. the crime and yep. the scene just goes away and nope. Yeah. <laughs> just no- yeah. That, you're absolutely right. I can't, can't, I forgot I forgot that until you said that, Tom. It's I kept great writing. Expecting a, either a shot through the window, right, 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 just like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's how some you know like a television series would have yeah. would have handled that or something. Mm-hmm. But nope. And and I thought that that was one of my favorite the my favorite things visually, uh, 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 audially. <laughs> Um, I love to do these rhythms. It's just, like a long song I enjoy listening to. Like just the uh, the lights clicking on and off, the motion sensor lights when they would yeah. go on and go off. It was yeah. so well. And Kelly, you're right that the rhythm of that is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then after that scene, we go to the bank scene, the uh, right. renowned bank scene where they're at the bank. Yeah, the bank <laughs> scene where they have that delicious meal at the bank. I love that scene too because the dad, the stepdad smiles at Annie Taylor-Joy like, "Hey, we're cool." But you also like, don't know yet because because of the toe thing, because of the pedicure, you don't know if he's really there yet and she doesn't either. Yeah. Ah, right, Dingus, right. A good point. I didn't yeah. think about that. Very good. She, yeah. She doesn't realize she's she's like, "Is this really happening?" Yeah. And then when her mother reacts she's like okay this is really happening <laughs> yeah um you really get that sense because she thinks he's been off i mean it's, it's, it's the only time it's we see him happy. Done. like they're both happy she's happy to see him and he's happy that she doesn't know it's him <laughs> 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 but i like that it's a really humanizing moment and so she's just going fuck that guy it's great uh, it's such a weird like because you picture that scene from their perspective be the exact opposite of how Annie Taylor Joy is saying it. She's just sitting there, see the rage, and the guy doesn't notice it or care. Um, so, uh, let me say a couple things that uh, our, our writer Inner said. Uh, this is Chris Morgenson again. Um, he said, right from the start, this movie had me. The whole horse stare down, piqued my interest, and then I went full on dread. When she pulls the knife out of her backpack, yeah. um, so I, I agree with him that the, the movie got my interest right then. Good uh, open, good hook. And I'm glad that it didn't show me that stuff. And I'm glad that it was consistent for that through the movie. I love too uh, thinking that even after that scene, Kelly Wand thought he was watching a coming of age movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, like True Grit in a way. <laughs> it opens with a horse and a it. knife being produced. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now let's watch young women grow up. <laughs> yeah. Hydrochloric uh, acid, though, like that's your mercy killing. That wasn't no, hydrochloric that's not acid. Hydrochloric acid. Jesus. <laughs> Kelly, what? Wrong with you. She thinks she's going to dissolve the horse in acid. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how? Do you have any idea how much acid that would take? I know. She would need to. That's why I thought she was annoyed. She's like, I thought I got enough. I got like a little tiny eyedropper. Isn't that for a horse? I asked for horse-sized. She was talking about something that you would like use to put an animal down as a drug. Dingus, we don't have time to talk about you <laughs> gibberish in the bank right now. I'm trying to concentrate on any Taylor Joy's. So what what did Markinson have to say, Dingus? Um, He also has this this interesting digression in his email to us um, that uh, he's wondering what it must be like to live in opulence uh, in in that particular way to have so much spending power. Like like there's this this envelope, not the letter that is stolen. (laughs) Yeah, This, this envelope full of money. Uh, that the stepfather has left for you her. You guys need to pay attention more. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Um, and, he's, and he's talking about, I, I suspect it has to change you. Um, it, you know, he, Chris is a dude who works in uh, Canada and he works um, they burned down the, the lottery White House. system. Yes. Yeah. For the lottery, uh, so he kind of he wonders about the chain, like how it would change you and how opulence affects you, and it's it's interesting to me to watch this um, because of what Chris says about like growing up in opulence and 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 having all of that, especially with regard to the difference in my over the uh, end of the effing world. Um, I think these are interesting differences in how characters emerge based on class, basically. And I think that that's kind of what Chris is getting at. I love the the shot, and I kind of wish there had been more like this, although it might have been too gratuitous. Uh, I love the shot of the maid swooping in on the bag of chips like, oh, as okay. soon as they walk out of the yeah. kitchen. It's not just yeah. that shot. It's her saying, leave it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her yeah. saying, leave it. I mean that that says so much right. about her character. Leave right. it. She right. doesn't. She doesn't see anybody else's point of view. Just leave it. That's just a beautiful moment. Do you have anything uh, to eat here? Leave it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thoroughbreds. Kelly Wan's favorite movie of the year so far. Yay! So wait, I put this on my top ten list because it came out in 2017 or something. It came out in 2018 in the U.S., March 2018. It's listed on IMDb as 2017, but you can't trust that. You have to look at the actual release date for the event. Yeah, IMDb, like, things are in – when things show up in festivals, IMDb is like, yep, it's released. It's this year. That's not how it works. Well, I mean, it does exist. Let's let's see another little art – oh, yes, Dingus? Wait, before we go there – uh, let me just say a couple other things Chris said because I think they relate to something that you might talk about in a couple of weeks. I don't know. Uh, he comes to two parts that he's a bit cool on. <laughs> the whole gulping down the spiked juice seems to me like a case of someone writing something great and then not knowing how to end it. Up to this point, the, he says, up to this point, it felt I felt like the movie was taking its time, and I was enjoying watching the re- relationship between these two girls. Then all of a sudden, boom, 
I do like a visual of Taylor Joy going upstairs and then coming down and covered in blood. So, um, did this inspire your uh, choice for the three by three? So we'll, we'll do a three by three at the end of this month about noble right. sacrifices, and I'm not sure that I noble. would. Yeah. Uh, well, that's I'm, the thing is, I'm not sure I would consider this what you think of generally in a noble sacrifice. You know, the, the okay, touchstone good. that I brought up yeah. with the, the latest Star Wars movies, uh, where you, you sort of see like a more heroic instance of that. Um, because it's more like Anya Taylor Joy just basically reminds her, hey, you don't care about life, right? And she kind of shrugs and is like, well, I guess you're right. Okay. Um, and I don't know that there's much nobility in it or even a, a much of a sacrifice, really. Uh, oh, and that's, right. I think that's kind of in a way the point of the decision. Um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't huh. – uh, if Chris Markinson were to choose this in a three-by-three, three, I don't think he'd have any issues with the law. Mm, I mean nice. she goes, why would you drink it? What are you doing, you idiot? Like she's a – she at least feigns. Well, I don't – yeah, that's a little bit – yeah. Like I don't – does she really – did she not want her to drink it? Is she lying at that point? Right. Is she conflicted? And I don't think the script is – Is it a target of opportunity? That. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. well, that leads into Chris's uh, final point, and, and that's his question about her smile at the end. Um, because it, it, from his perspective, she's not supposed to, he says she's not supposed to feel anything. Right. But she's alone and she's smiling, so it must be genuine. Well, she smiled before to, to practice, and it doesn't work, and I think this is a genuine smile. But I also think it's – you know, isn't this after she's talked about how much she loves being uh, in in this uh, mental facility? No, it's well, – it's – oh, okay, yeah. It's Olivia Cook's smile. Is that it's what you're talking about? Cook's yeah. smile, yeah. Because she doesn't smile in the rest of the movie unless it's a fake thing she's trying in front of a mirror. And then at right. the end of the, the letter, I, you know, I, I like the subtlety or ambiguity of that. You could argue, yes, this reveals that she cared about uh, Lily and she sacrificed herself and she feels good about it. Maybe that's one interpretation. But I just kind of noticed it was at the end of her letter explaining how this is the perfect place for her. And she loved it and she could trick the, the therapists into – believe in whatever they want and she could enjoy the drugs and knit a big long scarf um that she was kind of in her element um and so your nobility is you're now enabling annie taylor joy to go through the rest of her life <laughs> unscathed yay you're a hero right well yeah yeah i mean i'm able to murder us kelly wand let's wait and see what happens in thoroughbreds 2 is there, are they making that? <laughs> Kelly Wan, this is a new franchise. This is the Thoroughbreds universe. Franchise. Yeah, it's, yeah. Called the pre- it's the Preakness. What's the second one? There will be a spinoff about the maid. She'll get her own movie. Um, yeah. There you so go. in Infinity War, if the stepfather <laughs> died. <laughs> anyway, go ahead and proceed, Tom. So uh, let's go to another art house movie next week. Is there anything good that's opening that we should see that's maybe a little small indie feature? No, nothing. Uh, let's just. Not I hope. Do a movie. I hope it's a it's a sequel to indie director Colin Trevorrow's movie. Oh, I hope that 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 annoying teenage kid who hits on girls all the time is back. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> that oh. jerk! How dare he flirt with girls? Uh, I don't even know what this one's called. Jurassic World Evolution? Or did I just make that up? What Fallen is it called? Kingdom. Fallen, Fallen Kingdom. You know that epic phrase, Fallen Kingdom, <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, Fallen which, Kingdom. It does sound like a video game title, doesn't it? 
it's really it's, called yep. Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, and the trailer, which gives away. Nah, la, 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 la. Don't, don't tell me a single <laughs> thing about the trailer. What are you trailer. doing? Yeah. Have you not this been is... with us for nine years? What's yeah, I don't want to know what's in the trailer. But uh, all right, <laughs> yeah. Fallen Kingdom. I don't we'll, give a shit. <laughs> Kelly Wan, we'll see it next week, and then you can tell us all you want about the trailer. We look forward to hearing it. A meteor kills the Yeah, oh, spoiler. Uh, all right. Okay. We don't know that for sure, by the way. That's just a theory. Same with evolution, yep. Kelly Wan. We don't really know for sure. Mexico. We're just guessing. Who knows? It's just a guess. Uh, all right, Mr. Paleontology. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, so <laughs> Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Join oh! us for that next week. If you see it, and you guys know you're going to see it on opening weekend, uh, send us your thoughts. Get those to us by June 17th at midnight. We'll read your thoughts on the air. What did you think? How terrible was it? Uh, is there anything about it you'd like us to discuss? Any questions you have? Uh, send those emails to 3x3 at quarter3.com. Why is it called Fallen Kingdom, Tom? Exactly. We'll explore that. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and if you can think of any cool, noble sacrifices, uh, send those also to 3x3 at quarter3.com. And on July 1st, we will do that podcast. So make sure you get those to us by uh, midnight, July 1st. We'll remind you in the next couple of podcasts. I am Tom Chick. I have been here talking thoroughbreds with uh, Dingus, a.k.a. Uh, Christian McCluskey. It's Christian Murawski. And Kelly Wand. I pronounce it Anya Taylor-Joy. She comes down from yellow On a dark flat land she rides On a pony she named Wildfire I wish Heigl had been the mom and then there'd been a body switch. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharged cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, Yes, sir? Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Hey, Dangus, let's make a body switch movie. It's the Earth and the Sun switch bodies. <laughs> so everybody gets hot. Get it's only it. weird if you make it weird. Is it? Is it, though? <laughs> Tom, you got a creepy friend. My face is my creepy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Also, uh, yeah, Heather's kind of sells out. That's my other undertone. So. You're incredibly off-putting, and you freak me out. Oh! <laughs>